Ouais, Blaise. <clears throat> This is the rundown brought to you live every week. Collaboration with Census Fidelium and all kinds of people. You got Ryan Grant here with uh, Mediatrics Press. You got Brother Martin with the Oblates of St. Augustine. Mike here with RTF, and today we're going to be talking about Bank of America spying on you. Fauci says, wear two masks. AOC lies and cries. It's so funny. Flash mob forms in, uh, in Colorado. But it's not the kind of flash mob that you're envisioning. Cardinal Supich is headed to the Curia, maybe? Uh, parish cash. Lots of parish cash floating around. GameStop stock happened last week. We haven't talked about it. And, of course, Bill Gates is in the, uh, n the news As always, let's do this. How is I mean Bernie's not dancing to it. I don't understand. He didn't he didn't find that funny for some reason. I don't know why. And we're back. We are back. We are back. What what did we just witness? What what was that? I think that was I think I okay, so for those who are wondering what the heck that was, uh there's this aerobics class happening in one of these Asian countries where there's like a violent coup happening in the background. Like there's a military convoy happening and she's just she's just doing her aerobics with her mask on and oblivious to it in the background. Um I don't know what all the other elements are. I don't know who the guy drumming is, but I just, I can't stop watching the video. It's just great. Um, Thank God for the uh, let's, uh, let's get straight to it, guys. Uh, Bank of America spying on you. Tucker Carlson covered it last night. Here's a two-minute clip from him doing so. The show has obtained exclusively evidence that Bank of America, the second largest bank in the country with more than 60 million customers, is actively but secretly engaged in the hunt for extremists in cooperation with the government. Bank of America is, without the knowledge or the consent of its customers, sharing private information with federal law enforcement agencies. Bank of America effectively is acting as an intelligence agency, but they're not telling you about it. In the days after the January 6th riot at the Capitol, Bank of America went through its own customers' financial and transaction records, a lot of them. Now, these were the private records of Americans who had committed no crime, people who, as far as we know, had absolutely nothing to do with what happened at the Capitol on January 6th. But at the request of federal investigators, Bank of America searched its databases looking for people who fit a specific profile. Here's what that profile was, and we are quoting. Customers confirmed as transacting, either through bank account, debit card, or credit card, purchases in Washington, D.C., between January 5th and January 6th. Number two, purchases made for hotels, Airbnb, RSVPs, in Washington, Virginia, or Maryland after January 6th. Number three. Any purchase of weapons or at a weapons-related merchant between January 7th and their upcoming suspected stay in the D.C. area around Inauguration Day. And four, airline-related purchases sixth, sixth, since January 6th, end quote. 
So what do you notice about that profile? Well, the first thing you notice is that it's remarkably broad. Any purchases of anything in the city of Washington, D.C., any overnight stay anywhere in the three-state area that spans hundreds of miles, any purchase, not simply of legal firearms, but instead anything bought from a, quote, weapons-related merchant, T-shirts included, and then any airline-related purchases, not just flights to Washington, flights to anywhere, to Omaha, to Thailand. Okay, so uh, Ryan, they want us in a cashless society because uh, even in, even in a cashless society, they could track everything you do. Um, they want us in a post-dollar society as well, so that if you don't behave, they can lock you out. True or false? True, one hundred percent true. In fact, the uh, head of the Bank of International Settlements, I believe his last name is Carney. I can't remember his first name off the top of my head, but he was on one of these Zoom calls, not a not a Toomey Zoom call, but he was on a, a Zoom call with the heads of the Federal Reserve and and others talking about how great it'll be in a cashless society because if we decide we don't like this transaction we can shut it down isn't that great and you already have for example people who uh, we saw about a few months ago banks saying bank in england saying that um if uh, any of our customers appear in the branch without a mask your accounts will be shut down you'll have to withdraw yeah. your money right except you won't be withdrawing any money where is that going to go when it's all digital and so and the thing is it, all the central bankers will have all the control by by necessity that's how it's set up as it is already the fed observes every single transaction that takes place as unless it's cash or bitcoin so anything that happens in a credit card any digital payment any paypal payment the any check the fed can see all of that and now but they don't have the power to stop it what if they had once you have it all digital it originates digitally it passes digitally you can just stop it whenever you feel like stopping it so if they decide well we don't like that you don't have your babies in a hospital we think you should be in a hospital so they block up all payments for your midwife now your midwife can't take any payments um, you're, you, you're guilty of wrong thing. You were visible at this protest where bad things happened. It was, we didn't like it. So therefore all your accounts are shut down. You've been degraded from uh, citizen to labor. Please report to FEMA. Yeah, that's right. Well, well, even Trump, yeah, Trump got debanked by several major global banks. And, um, I mean, Steve, when, when I opened an account at Wells Fargo or, or Bank of America or any of the money center banks, I don't remember consenting to them turning my information, my transaction history over to the FBI just for random reasons. It has stalled the China plan, right? I mean, the social credit scores that's coming in, you're going to have to maybe take the poke if you have if you want to have any money. The UBI that's coming, they want what 2000 was the last one they talked about. I think they're trying to go for 1200 and uh, Kamala was talking about endless every month. They you got to go get take the poke maybe just to have that cash. Uh, nope. Everything's got to be digital so they can control it. You see in Denmark right now, they got the uh, app coming out that you won't be able to walk into a business without making sure that you have are up to date on your pokes, jabs, whatever's on there. And you've got the right social credit score just to get in and shop or eat or get gas, whatever. Uh, as uh, I was talking to Paul Kangor the other day, he's like, I don't know if this is good. Dude. Bet your worthless money this is going to come in. It's coming. It's already here. It's just a matter of when. Denmark came out with their COVID pass app. And 
you know, they, that they've just put out there. They're trumpeting it. But just a month ago, it was a crazy conspiracy theory to say the government was going to track you with COVID apps. Now the government's tracking you with COVID apps. You know, it's, it's <laughs> once again, conspiracy fact. There's, I mean, there, there's obviously nutty conspiracy theories, but there's a lot of these things where people just, you can see the writing on the wall. And the thing that stops it is people saying, nah, it'll be fine. Nah, it's not going to happen. That's right. It'll never happen. That's nice. right. And why is it, uh, gentlemen, I, I think I'm going to do this Florida th- story next. Um, why is it that it's the protestants that have the nerve to stand up to this stuff i mean in the united states anyway i i don't see catholics standing against this garbage i see a bunch of evangelicals who are doing uh things like this check this out in florida new video to show you and it is sparking outrage as the country tries to fight the coronavirus take a look shoppers and employees of all ages inside a busy supermarket in florida openly rejecting the rules for mask wearing. NBC Sam Brock witnessed it firsthand. He joins us with the details. Sam, good morning. What's going on? Savannah, the video tells a very uh, particular story here. I would say the city of Naples and Collier County, where I am, have rules requiring masks inside of businesses. When I walked into that supermarket behind me, I was looking for a sandwich. I came out with a story. That video has been viewed already more than one million times. The scene inside Oaks Farm's seed-to-table market, taken less than 24 hours ago, shows employees and customers, young and old, almost entirely without masks. The sign out front outlines, if you have a medical condition that prevents you from wearing a mask, you are exempt, and we cannot legally ask you about your medical condition. Though the owner, Alfie Oaks, made it clear this is about much more than that. You don't think masks work and that the virus is not a real thing? I know a hoax that the anyways. masks don't work, and I know that the virus has not, has not killed 400,000 people in this country. That's, that's total hogwash. In fact, the U.S. COVID death toll has now exceeded 450,000, and health experts have been adamant that wearing masks would save countless lives. Probably the most important thing is we see mask use up over 85%, and that's been a critical part of getting these numbers down. But inside this supermarket, lines of uncovered faces prompting mostly heavy criticism. I can't stop watching this. My jaw is literally on my desk. This should be a crime. People across the country are dying because of... All right, that's all I can take of that. But who's outraged? Besides NBC, are, are any real people who are alive and awake, are they actually outraged? I <laughs> love the headline. Yeah, Sam, Sam Brock is completely outraged, and everyone on Twitter that follows MSNBC or NBC and Sam, they're ticked. And they show that if, if, if we would have kept that going for another two minutes— they would have shown some of the tweets like, oh, I can't believe I'm so I, I'm so outraged at this. How can anybody do this? We need a boycott of places like this, a BUI cot of places like this. Go to, to it, go to these places, support yeah. them with all your your might boycott those places that are into the superstition mm-hmm. and the mandates of these muzzles. Well, that's what you need to do locally. <clears throat> I mean, I do I do that for. Uh, on both both fronts, so, you know the people who are crazy to ask mask Nazis, and there are a few of them here. Um, you know, I, all right, I don't care if you're a small business, I'm not going in. Sorry, and uh, even if I could get a curbside, I don't want to. And there's about five or six places that are you know, more than that. Good grief! I mean, just in Post Falls, there's about eight or nine in Coeur d'Alene that just yeah, come on in. I mean, there's others you can get into, but they're they're like explicit, non their Fed books. 
yeah, no, no mask. Just, just come on in. We don't care. We're just going to serve I you. I mean, I mean, and uh, nobody here is dying of the Rona. Bodies are not in the streets. Masks are for criminals and bandits, says Vondate Radio in the live chat, and that's absolutely true. Where did we get? How did yes. we arrive at the point at which uh, you're allowed to walk into a bank and demand money while while wearing a mask? <laughs> and if you're in a red state, you can still carry. I mean, at this point, it's like right. <laughs> that used to and be a crime. <laughs> Wisconsin just ended their mandate, so it's a uh, muzzle-free state now. Wisconsin, nice. Um, go for Wisconsin. Um, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to show uh, I'm going to show this flash mob, but I'm I'm we're going to talk over it and sort of narrate about it um, because they have some naughty language in here. But you can see in Lakewood, Colorado, at a natural grocers, which is sort of like a Sprouts or a or a Whole Foods. A bunch of people got together and just said, we're coming in and we are going to go shopping. We're going to get our groceries. Now, these people are, um, you know, compare this to Black Lives Matter. Compare this to Antifa. They're up for the Nobel Peace Prize. But look at look at how violent and scary these these domestic terrorists look. I mean, these people are like, whoa, I'm I'm coming in here to buy my organic bananas um, I these should be on a domestic watch list. These people. This is a good example of how to do it, I think, because they all they were extremely polite. They had a smile on their face. They said, "No, I don't need a mask today. Thank you." Uh, the 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 Gestapo thugs that are stationed at the door were like, "Excuse me, I'm going to have to call the police." They said, "Oh, that's fine. You can call the police." Here they are. They're getting their milk and honey and dairy products. Mrs. C asks if this is really live. Yes, we're live, Mrs. C. Right. 
What? Oh no. Are you guys are muted? Oh. I'm sorry about that. I don't know how to unmute you. Well, that's lame. That is that that's the, the dangers of going live. All right. Well, you got to see you got to are see we I'm going to cut back to Ryan. Ryan, say what you were class. saying earlier. Okay, uh, I don't remember what we were saying earlier. There we go. Mike was uh, civil disobedience. This is the kind of thing that we have to do. We have to have civil disobedience. We have to have, um, you know, people that are going to resist this stuff. Because if you don't, you're going to find yourself in the virtual cage, whether it's a digital one or an actual one, quarantine isolation facility, i.e., a gulag or something like that. So, strength in numbers. One, so you get the like-minded people together, start talking, and it, whether you're doing it on Signal or you're doing it on Telegram. Yes, I know the the, the, the CIA has a hand in the creation of Signal. I mean, they pretty much anything that comes out of big tech anywhere, the government has some hand on it. You're not using it because you think you're going to beat the government. Because if they want that data, they will get it. Never, so don't freak out about that. You know, get a hold of your friends if you have to. You know, call them on the phone. Right? I don't know. See them in person. Oh, hey, wouldn't it be it. great if we could all go into this place that's that's being a real na mask Nazi, Costco, natural grocers, whatever, and just show because a lot of people are scared because they think they're alone. They think they're the only one, and everyone else is going to think they're nuts because they don't want to put on six hundred and sixty six face. No, but you're right though because it is uh, it is a little scary if you if you're the, the only person in a grocery store and there are a hundred people there and everyone's mm -hmm. looking at you. I mean, it's much harder to, to 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 muster the fortitude. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that that's something that all four of us do regularly, but but a lot of people aren't wired that way. A lot of people don't have what it takes. But but there's some there's there's some safety in numbers, and I think that these people uh, did it right. Unfortunately, a lot of people miss your commentary, Steve, on on what they were doing and and um, and how this was a an excellent example of civil disobedience. But it was a brilliant commentary. Everyone should go back and just, <laughs> I just wish it's right, lost. It's lost forever. It's it's it's. <laughs> it's it's in the matrix now, Steve. <laughs> but speaking of multiple yes, masks, more more uh, little Fauci this. came out and said that uh, you know a, a lot of people are are wearing two masks. Here are his thoughts about it. There are many people who feel you know if you really want to have an extra little uh, bit of protection, maybe I should put two masks on. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's no data that indicates that that is going to make a difference, and that's the reason why. The CDC has not changed the recommendation. Okay, so this, he's, he's like the master of doublespeak here because you heard him say in that clip that uh, two masks are good and sometimes he wears it, but also there's no data to support it, so there's no reason to, to wear two masks. He, he violates, brother, I think, the, the law of non-contradiction that a thing can simultaneously be and not be. I mean, this is, this is, what, this is where liberals excel, yeah? Absolutely. I mean, there's, they contradict themselves constantly. They're hypocrites. Uh, and they expect us just to go along with it. it it's absurd. Uh, but as, as persecution has always been, from Socrates to Boethius, to any, those who want the truth, who live according to the truth, will always find these dilemmas. We, we have to hold our principles. We have to live according to them. We live for the truth, no matter what the consequences are. Um, and yeah, look, I, I think as Catholics, this is something that like we we need to constantly exhort ourselves to do, right? Right, Steve. I mean, um, it's it, you just carried a you just carried Ryan's interview with Father Ripperger last night on on Census Fidelium YouTube channel. Everyone needs to watch that. One of the things that uh, was discussed there. Uh, I see you're masking up. That's good. 
Uh, oh, double mask. Good. Um, one of the things that you guys discussed on that show. Oh, three masks. Oh, even better. We've reached multiple levels now. We're at ninety percent. You know, I was going to cut to you, Steve, but I'm just not. I can't. I can't endorse this. Um, I, I'm going to cut to Ryan instead. Ryan was talking with Father Ripperger about your, the need to assent. <laughs> can't even do this, Steve. What are you doing? Now you're full screen. The need to ascend your intellect and your will to reality. I, can st- I can't breathe. <laughs> I think that's a hashtag. I've heard that hashtag. I can't breathe. Yeah, right? <laughs> what is the, happening? The irony that they would have used that as their slogan when they were trying to force the masks <laughs> in which you can't breathe. Steve, you're full screen. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think about optimal reach. Now, no virus can get in. <laughs> no oxygen can get in either. So I, I will survive somehow, maybe the next four seconds. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> absurdity needs to be mocked, though, right, Ryan? You have to mock absurdity. Yes. Well, you have to, and sometimes that's that's the only vehicle you actually have is laughing at tyrants. Yep. And historically, too, when uh, people were, you know, in different times in history, the monarch is doing something bad. Often humor and satire would be the, the vehicle of choice, posting it up on the town square, something like that. And so, so some type of humor, some type of satire, these are the things that, um, of course, they don't like. And you, so you see how many times the Babylon Bee is flagged as fake news, or they try to fact-check the Babylon Bee, which is self-described as a parody site. It's known to be a parody site. It's like, I mean, it, at this point, it's like The Onion. It's not like some of these fake sites that aren't even funny, which mm-hmm. proliferate, unfortunately. You know, they, they give you this news, and you're like, oh, we're fake, ha-ha. Um, yeah, but you, you're not even funny. You're just writing a dumb news story that's utterly false. Whereas The Bee, or The, on- the Onion used to be this way. So The Babylon Bee, they, they got the brilliant thought that goes into me in, in a year like 2020 to stay ahead of the satire i thought was almost impossible but they did it yeah and, and, and that's satire what we really is powerful need. it's it's a potent weapon and it's something that we really mm-hmm. do need to employ more often um against our uh, our adversaries and tormentors and if you saw last week the article came out with uh, three mass right. so it was west west uh not west virginia virginia tech came out saying three is better because two only gets you about 50% effectiveness. And, and you realize you're basically admitting a mask one does work. not work. If you have to put on two or you have to put on three, you're basically admitting that one doesn't yeah. work. And three only got you to 90%. <laughs> right. So- why not? I mean, four? I mean, and three is better than two. You know, I, I like my masks the way I like my uh, my nightcaps. I mean, three is better than two. I mean. Um, and then the guy there was like another guy from uh, West Virginia uh, not West Virginia uh, 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 out here Wake Forest said four and the uh, the rebuttal to that was uh, guys we got to start thinking about people being able to breathe <laughs> <laughs> well, they're literally just making stuff up and this is the problem whenever I see trust the science I say trust what an abstract noun that is a, that refers to a body of knowledge that's always evolving and changing as new information and evidence comes in. It, it's like no, no, no. You you can't the, the idea the notion of trusting science is ridiculous. You can't trust science because it's not a thing that actually exists. It's a conglomeration of a body of knowledge, and it's either true or it's not. It's something that's demonstrated that things work in this way, and here's why, or it doesn't. 
And how you do that by following the scientific method. What we've seen since the beginning of the pandemic is they're literally making things up as they go along. You misspelled pandemic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, the scamdemic, whatever. It, it's like they literally are making this stuff up as they go along. And they're conflating numbers. And like we see with the testing. Uh, wait, wait, it's a virus so deadly you have to be tested to even know you well, have and, it. And, now and then you the, have all the, these false positives. People never develop. Most people test positive from Rome and never develop. In the manner the in which ever. they're testing you now in China using the rectum. I yes. mean, it's just so dehumanizing. They're like, okay, bend over bend for over, your COVID man. test. <laughs> Give me a break. Bad. This is, this is demonic. <laughs> and now you got Biden coming out with this 200, was it, uh, $231.8 million agreement with Elum, E-L-L-U-M-E, which is a group to do at-home tests. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, the effectiveness is not going to be, they say it's 95% uh, accurate, but just like a pregnancy test, it's not very accurate if you do something different, accidentally touch something to something. Now they're going to send it to your home and have you update it, upload it on your app connected to the government. So they're going to try to mandate this thing for every human in the union. What is burning? You're not going to get away from this. Burning it back to the I mean, the, I, how scary is it, though, that, that legitimately their plan is to mail you a test? And what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to take the test and upload your results on your smartphone so that so that big tech and big government yeah. know exactly. Like, they've got your DNA. They've got your COVID results. They can manipulate that. They can put you on no-fly list if you if you false positive test or or even if you actually test positive. Um and they say negative results will not count. They're not looking for negatives. They're going to do anything they can to make a positive. And then good old Willie Gates comes out and says they want to. He wants to test twenty five percent of the planet every year till you die to see if there's another. You got anything if you're sick with anything. So talk about manipulation of numbers. Test for what? You don't even know what's out there yet. You can yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Speaking of manipulation, um, AOC was in grave danger on the 6th of January. I don't know if you know this. She put out a video in which she described how she nearly died. You have to check this out. Wednesday was an extremely traumatizing event. Um, And it is not an exaggeration to say that many, many members of the House were nearly assassinated. Um, It's just not an exaggeration to say that at all. Uh, We were very lucky. I had a pretty traumatizing event happen to me. Um, And I do not know if I can even disclose the full details of that event due to security concerns. But I can tell you that I had a very close encounter where I thought I was going to die. I myself did not even feel safe going to the that extraction point because there were QAnon and white supremacist sympathizers and frankly white supremacist members of Congress um, in that extraction point. It's on Fedbook. Now I never use it. I'm, I'm barely ever on it. Uh, we're, so we're talking yeah. about Fedbook just off camera because uh, the RTF Facebook page is going to be deleted. 18,000 followers of the page uh, gone like that uh, over some Mussolini meme. Okay, so um, I'm, I'm a- in the Gestapo with you. <laughs> AOC, AOC, guys, do you feel badly for this woman? She looks like emo- she had emotional trauma. I lost sleep over it. 
Oops, forgive me, file fry sin. I just lied. No. Uh, should we be sending her thoughts and prayers, Brother Martin? I mean, like, this woman is clearly damaged. I think she'd prefer, uh, was it, thoughts and good vibes? She's among <laughs> the, those, those kind. But no, I mean, it was, it was, it was the same uh, play, the charade that the, the Democrats, I think, played whenever the, a, a Republican baseball game got shot up. There was a, a Democrat that went and shot several, or at least one uh, congressman. And all the Democrats came out play. Yeah, and all the Democrats, oh my gosh, this couldn't happen to anybody, blah, 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 this, blah, 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 that, trying to make themselves the victims. Democrats always play victims, even if, if they're nowhere nearby. So I guess yesterday, I mean, you had a whole bunch of Democrats talking about how uh, there was a riot at, at the Capitol and how they were in danger, all that kind of stuff. Whereas this past summer, they just completely sat back as Portland was being destroyed. You know, uh, you know all, all these riots going on across the, the country. Oh, no, it was nothing problem. Actually, in, inciting the violence, I think... Um, it wasn't Kamala Harris, it was AOC saying, no, if, if, if you're not going to, actually, no, it was AOC. She had a, a video out saying, if you're, gonna, if you're gonna, going to uh, discourage these riots, then you better stand, say something about racial injustice, blah, 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 this, blah, 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 that. And so she was, she was encouraging these people to riot in other places in the country. When she's there, all of a sudden she's traumatized. Yeah, it was traumatizing for AOC in particular because while you heard her say in the video that she very, very nearly died, it came out this week that she wasn't even in the Capitol building. She was under, she had the same threat on her life that any of us had, but sitting at our homes in the safety of our <laughs> homes. She was at least a mile away from the Capitol building, but I was in the Capitol complex, she says. And, and um, it was still very scary. And she um, had to be in the and, same room with senators who are white supremacists and Q people, QAnon people, and there's the Congress critters. And, and I'm just scratching my head. It's like, um, can you prove that the whole white supremacy meme drives me nuts anyway, but because it's, it's such a, it's such a farce. The only white supremacists are a handful of guys that live in their mom's basement and they share frog memes on Twitter. That's, 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 uh, that's the white supremacist threat. And if that's the threat, I don't think there's really much to be worried about, frankly, on that front. I'm, I'm not as worried about white supremacists as I am about uh, Democrats. I'm not worried about <laughs> black supremacists as much as I'm worried about government. I'm not worried about um, any of these groups. And sorry, and, you know, it's like funny. Well, white supremacists, you're white. Yeah, I'm Catholic and I'm of Jewish heritage, which uh, the Ku Klux Klan, uh, after black people who were the top people on their list. Uh, I'm Catholics I'm worried about the RTF YouTube channel. Um, I, I mean. <laughs> 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 Brian Williams was right next to AOC, apparently. Who was? Brian Williams. Y'all remember that when he went on NBC's? I was there. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Brian Williams was there. He was there in Iraq. He was fired upon. Um, this is why he now has the 11 p.m. show on MSNBC that four people nightly watch. But AOC, this this is this is the gift that keeps on giving because now. It, in in response to her lie, when it comes out that she wasn't even in the Capitol building and she was under, there was no threat to her life. She, there was no chance of anything happening to her. The memes have begun, and the memes are are they're a special, they're a special grouping of hilarity that everyone needs to partake in. It's a it's a it's a small consolation in this dumpster fire that we live in to have those memes, but she wants them taken down because the hashtag AOC Smollett. Smollett. Remember Jesse Smollett? Uh, she's being compared to that guy who um, I think he has like litigation pending for his for deceiving the uh, FBI. 
So she's she running, has she has sent her Twitter cookie. army after everyone who who does that hashtag. So I, I encourage everyone to at least consider posting the hashtag uh, AOC Smollett on anything you do. Send us put your you know what you're eating today and just put hashtag. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Um, all right, we've got to get into ecclesiastical stuff. Back to Brother Martin. Um, what's happening with Cardinal Supic? So apparently he visited Pope Francis a few days ago in Rome. It was after the inauguration. Everybody thought, including myself, that uh, he was meeting with Pope Francis because Pope Francis or Cardinal Supich wanted to put a stop to Archbishop Gomez um, releasing his letter kind of saying that Joe Biden needs to change some of his abortion policies, blah, blah, blah. A lot of the bishops came out in support of that. Supich wanted to stop it. So we all thought that uh, Supich was meeting Pope Francis uh, regarding this topic and how were they going to deal with the, the presidency. It could have happened. However, news came out recently that uh, Pope Francis is considering Cardinal Supic to be the head of the congregation in Rome that gets to select or present finally to the Pope who should be the next bishop of a diocese. And so in that congregation, they have all the dossiers of all the, the candidates. Uh, the, the selection is called the Turna, uh, of who should go where. Uh, to what post, that kind of thing. Uh, what does this mean? Well, right now, Cardinal Ouellette from Canada is is the head. And if you don't know about uh, how kind of important, it, or if you heard that name before, is because uh, Archbishop Vigano last summer or something like that uh, claimed that that congregation had information on McCarrick. And uh, Cardinal Ouellette com- basically shut Vigano down saying there's nothing here. Uh, and so not only does the, that congregation get to select the bishops around the world, but they also get to uh, tell us who they are tell, or not tell us who they are and, and hide certain information as well. So when you put someone in the, at the head of the congregation um, who himself was selected by Cardinal McCarrick uh, to become a bishop, well, it, it raises some questions. Not only that, but we all know uh, Cardinal Supich progressive lean. Um, and so we can see, we can kind of foretell what the bishops in the rest of the world are going to be like from here on out. Um, yeah, Cardinal Supich has spent his career uh, this this last decade really parroting everything, every one of uh, Francis's priorities from uh, from from saying on national news that the environment is the most important thing that the church needs to be focused on, the natural environment, uh, to youth unemployment, to gender ideology, and open borders. I mean, that's. That's what we can expect going forward. This is really, and doesn't this? I, I, I'm not, I'm not one to speculate about conclaves and all this stuff. That's, I'll, I'll leave that to other lesser informed people to do. But, um, doesn't this place him at least on a on a short list of potential candidates now that he's joining? I mean, this is a pretty powerful position, right? It does two things. Also, we forget that Cardinal Farrell, another American, is in charge of the finances whenever there's a there's a conclave. And so now we would have two American cardinals uh, at very high posts, um, and very important posts, uh, in a regime change, so to speak. Um, and it at least puts them in a place to determine who gets on some sort of list. So. All right, what are, you, what are you doing, Steve? Steve's doing something. Oh, yeah, just keep talking. I got something good for in a minute. Okay, well, we're going to take Steve <laughs> off here. I want to cut to Ryan and get your reaction to this too, Ryan, because you're the one who brought this story up uh, in our in our prep. Supich is one of those creatures that uh, is always ready to to make himself, 
you know, seem like, you know, he's, he's ready to conform to whoever is in charge. So when, um, so he was a lowly auxiliary bishop, and then um, he was made bishop of Spokane, right? Which, uh, when he was in Spokane, which is only, you know, 30 minutes from me, it's a different diocese for me, but um, my diocese is seven hours away, the chancery, whereas the next one over is 35 minutes, the weird way it all works. But anyway... Priests over there, for example, one of the things Supich did is say no priest should be present at an abortion clinic. It is improper, you know, to pray at an abortion clinic. Um, so a couple did it decided to do it in uh, out of their clerics, and uh, well, they got caught because Supich's goons were actually at clinics watching to catch any clergy that would possibly be there praying, and so they would get, uh, you know immediately suspended or transferred out to some podunk place or put under some really bad conditions somewhere. And, and that's, that's the way he operates. Right. And so, and so under Benedict, he publicly made it look like he's going along with this. He's, he's kind of their, their guy. As soon as Francis gets in, he starts immediately parroting, you know, whatever Francis says, and immediately that gets the attention in Rome. So he, that's where he moves up to Chicago. And uh, so now, and of course, he's got all the mafia connections between the diocese and all the local criminal elements that were built up under Bernadine. Mm -hmm. And so now you have, uh, you know, this guy that is basically the the American Francis. Okay, (laughs) so he the problem with Supich ultimately is that he has he has no moral except, you know, getting into positions of power to do whatever he can. And so if he's the model, and Crooks ran an interesting headline with this, uh, you know, in Supage appointment, Francis learns how to speak without using words, right? So appointing someone like, a creature like Supage that, um, I mean, there's nothing good to say about him, to appoint bishops means we're not going to get, you know, any kind of bishop that actually believes the Catholic faith. We're not going to get a bishop that cares about the salvation of souls. We're going to have more bishops that care about the environment and persecute the faithful whenever they ask for right teaching. Uh, Ryan, I I have to interrupt this with breaking news. We have actually with us, joining us live on the rundown, a special guest. Uh, We we actually have one of the GameStop traders, um, and and here he is. (laughs) (laughs) Are 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 you actively trading GameStop right now, Mr. Cunningham? Yeah, yes, uh, you know, just uh, very carefully and safely. <laughs> That's very conscientious of you to wear 17 masks, but I'm not sure how that helps you uh, <laughs> not lose all your money on GameStop. What's happening? Well, it's the tinfoil. It, it keeps me from uh, losing anything. Uh, they don't connect to my head, and uh, they can't steal any money that way. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's, that's good. Um, GameStop is actually a thing, and it's something that we wanted to talk about, uh, and we'll get to it. But I want to—I just want to cover very briefly. I know Marshall's going live right now, concurrently with this, and he's talking about parish cash. That's something that we've been talking about since like August. I did a video about it in September, talking about three and a half billion dollars during the first bailout, paying the church in exchange for a lockdown, paying the church to comply. Um, why is Parish Cash back in the news, folks? You know, I think it's funny. I think this is funny. Who's supposed so to laugh? When, I guess, but uh, we all know how how tight of a leash priests are on their by their bishops and by church authority, all that kind of stuff. When a priest goes and files for taxes, he has to file as as self employed. You know, so I mean, 
there's there's a lot of games being played with, with with church money, church taxes, all that kind of stuff. To where you know a lot of priests on Twitter are saying, hey, "Show me where there's a the worldwide church, Catholic Church Inc." And you you can then say that the Catholic Church got 1.3 billion. It's like I mean that's that's not the case. Um, Yeah. Okay. I I get it, brother. Uh, what what people say is they're like, okay, well, it's not like the federal government gave you know three and a half, cut a check for three and a half billion and gave it to Dolan, which Lord knows what he would do with it. He's in the news this week, named in a lawsuit in which he is covering up for deviant behavior. We'll cover that once uh, actual stuff comes out about it. Um, but you're right. It went to like six thousand different parishes, and people say, "Well, those parishes employ a bunch of people." Yeah, they employ people like ecumenical uh, council Office members <laughs> who uh, post things to Facebook pages, like they did in Kansas City, in which yeah. they encourage you to go to mosques and and synagogues during the lockdown. Right. Take this opportunity while you're stuck at home to experience other people's religions. Yeah, I mean, they chances. pay those people. Isn't I don't want to pay those people. Yeah. I mean, chancery. Yeah. I mean, what, how much other people in the chancery paid for every single little little minute office, the office of the ministry for for youth, where they just go and hire a, a local band to play some music at a retreat, you know? And these people make a job out of it, make money off of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, money, money to pay those bands, those you know, hobbyist bands or whatever, to go to, you know, hundreds of dollars to go play retreats or conferences, all that kind of stuff. How much money does it cost to put on a, a diocesan conference? Where I mean, I think uh, the diocese that I was last in spent some, uh, well, a couple of thousand thousands of dollars um, for a uh, conference for a worthless thing that they ended up running for six months and got nothing out of it but they exactly could give me a hundred bucks to buy a couple bibles to give away at festivals oh exactly exactly so i mean there's a lot of mismanagement of money they, they, they try to be transparent and give you like a pie diagram or whatever and, and try to re- use different words to describe different things but i mean well, also, I mean, other people, I, I know, and like this was alone, right? Like this Michael Hitchborn has uh, has done some work at the at uh, the, the Lepanto Institute on how the cycle of cash is going from the USCCB into the DNC, and this is why I'm a big advocate of not giving your diocese a single dime. You, it is a positive precept of the church, though, Ryan, that you have to support. The needs of Holy Mother Church. It doesn't say you have to give a ten percent tithe or whatever. That is the tradition, though, right? The Old Testament says you give 10%, and because that's part of the legal ceremonies of the Jews, the when, when Christ um, you know, dies and rises from the dead, and the entirety of the, the legal ceremonies are, are abolished in, in favor, in the, the whole old law comes to the end in fulfillment in Christ, right? So that goes away. So the moralist asks, you know, well, how much should you give? And as you know, it's debatable. There's certain opinions, but in general, it's that you you know you give ten. You know, you should, as a rule, give ten percent of your disposable income, just following that example. But it's not. You know, you have, for example, like the widow's mite in the Old Testament, or or not sorry, in, the, in Christ's parable in the New Testament, where she gives all she's got, is like two farthings, and that uh, is praised, and she's remembered in the you know for all time now. So, you know, it's not a, it's not a question of the amount. It's a question of what, you know, what can you tie through the, to the support of your pastor? So th- therein is the rub. Our pastors are not behaving properly. They are not 
uh, you know, doing good. You see all these cases like Bishop Bransfield, for example, uh, funneling money around. McCarrick was funneling all sorts of money around from all kinds of sources. Nobody even knows where half that money came from, let alone where it went. You find, you know, priests, you know, getting diocesan money to set up their boyfriends in penthouse apartments. Uh, you see all kinds of corruption. And then, like, uh, as, as Michael Hitchborn's shown, um, all this money that is literally flying into <clears throat> um, the, the, the these democratic think tanks that support abortion, support uh, all kinds of aberrant uh, activity that we won't mention unless we get booted, mm-hmm. uh, various rainbow activities. They support all sorts of things that are completely contrary to church teaching. Communist organizations out of some justices and equality thing. Catholic Campaign for Human yeah. Development. It's one of the most insidious things out there. It does nothing good for anybody except the enemies of the faith. It doesn't help any poor. If the bishops really cared about the poor, and they don't, uh, mm-hmm. they like saying they do, but they don't, with a handful of exceptions that maybe actually do. If they really did, they would set up vocational training centers. They would set up, you know, housing facilities and shelters to help people who legitimately are on the streets for, you know, because of some mistake or some accident in their life to turn around and turn it all around. And there are those people out there that just need the chance to I turn want to it take around. this opportunity, though, and Ryan, to just respond them. to something that's happening in the live chat right now where people are talking about Trump and whether or not he was involved directly in the stimulus and in the and in the um, the paying off of church officials. Um, I, I just downloaded a Punk video. I want to show this video. I apologize if it's not the right size because I can only size it after I see it. But uh, here he is, President Trump, bragging that he personally, personally guaranteed this money to Cardinal Dolan because Cardinal Dolan asked for it. And you better remember that on November 3rd, like a thug. Check this out. It was my great honor to help the Catholic Church with its schools. They needed hundreds of millions of dollars nationwide. And I got it for him. Nobody else. I got it for him. I hope you remember that on November 3rd. But I got it for him. And it was an honor to do it. I did it at the request of Cardinal Dolan and others of your leaders. They really needed it. We took care of that situation. Very important. Cardinal Dolan called me, and I gave him the money. He called me. You remember that that on November 3rd, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah, to all of you out there who say, oh, well, now that there's going to be this bailout, you know, and and you're going to get your Biden check, your Biden cash, your COVID money, and and now they're going to bail out the church again. And I'm sure that's what Marshall's talking about right now, and I'm glad he is. Um, can we just be honest about it, though, and say that, yeah, this happened under Trump as well. It doesn't matter who's in office. They hate the Catholic Church and they want it shut down. And they gave him a huge amount of money in order to do that. I thought he wasn't a politician because when politicians say something like that, you better remember that on November 3rd. Kind of <laughs> like that whole uh, we'll uh, defund Planned Parenthood if you uh, vote me back in, even though he can't do that at all. And uh, we never did That's that anyway. The government. Yeah, I mean, what the, they got money, a loan. They'll have to pay back. Uh, I can't wait for the diocese to get upset about that one. And there was 9,000 churches, according to a USA Today article, out of 11,000 separate from the diocese that got PPP. And all that was was shut down yep. money. And then they were begging you to give money to them when they were closed. They kept the sacraments from you. I saw a Steve Ray uh, tweet out about a month or two ago that he hasn't been in the confession for three or four months because churches are closed Mm -hmm. down. And if they were finally had a priest go, wink, wink, come around the corner, we'll do a confession. This, I mean, this is beyond scandalous. And nobody has, and and diocese, it's, it's, I, I understand the orders, 
that can't go out and speak too much because the bishop will throw them out of the diocese. But diocese priests, uh, I would say, uh, please get the spirit, uh, spinal implants in you to speak out. Well, it's not just this. the diocese, and Steve. I mean, I, I've talked really a, a, a bit about this before, but I'm, I, and I'm not going to name names or anything. But I know of a fraternity of St. Peter priests who would come over to your house during the lockdown, but he would not hear your confession in your house. I'm sorry, I have to be obedient to my bishop, who's probably a better Catholic than you. But in that case, he has to do that. We're talking about all these shutdowns. I mean, there's a priest down the street that ended up having confession every day of the week. Uh, there was other priests that were open and one uh, other parishes that were completely Wait, you're closed. Saying, you're saying that priests have to deny the day, absolution like the bishop, if their bishop tells them to? The saying X, Y, Z. None of them have the humility to say we were wrong. Give the money back because, of one, it's blood money. Two, you shut down over nothing. It's the seasonal flu, and you shut down the entire church over Wait, but it? Steve, sorry. I, are, are you, are you advocating for the, the denying of communion or the, the denying of, uh, of, of confession to people who need confession be, out of obedience to the bishop? No, actually. Here's the thing. Um, if, if somebody just wants, like, spiritual direction and counseling, um, yes, but if—, if uh, Especially during, say, you know, if it was a real pandemic instead of uh, the, what we actually had, there there would be an absolute necessity here of the confession, right? If this was a deadly virus and bodies piled in the streets, the, the priest would, by divine law, doesn't matter what his bishop says, divine law would require him to hear confessions. And so it comes to the question of, are you going to obey God or are you going to obey men? And luckily, my fraternity priests uh, obeyed God, and they, you know, they they did it in a in a politically correct way to not overtly give offense, yeah. but they did it because even though the bishop had said no, don't do that, because it's like the salvation of souls is the first law of the right. church. So the bishop literally cannot command you not to hear a confession when there's a possibility of people, you know, might die. Right. If it's it's different if there's situations where it can't reason it could not reasonably be done at that moment and the person is not in the in danger of death. And visibly. I just want to I, I just want to clarify. Are, I, I'm not trying to impugn the entire order here. I'm just saying that you know the the example right. was brought up. If you're a diocesan priest and your bishop is is a nutcase, which a lot of them are. Uh, then you know, but you're in a bind, and I I was just elucidating that. Okay, well, but here's another example, example is, of where you're not even a diocesan priest. And brother Martin, you're you're going to be ordained someday, God willing. Uh, uh, Can you on, ever see on, yourself uh, denying absolution clear. to someone who is contrite in his sins and asks and begs you? Time out. <laughs> Let's be clear. What I said was, uh, for t if you're in a religious order. You can't be as uppity as you probably want to be because the bishop will throw you out. Like going into the parish, telling, hey, don't wear a mask, opening up the doors, etc., having the uh, the regulations, things like that. The bishop will kick you out, and then you will not be in that area. So a lot of parishioners get upset at some of the priests for not being more uppity. You want them to get uppity, and you also want them gone because the bishops will kick them out. Diocese priests, the bishop can't kick them out. They might try to relax, take a, take away the faculties or something like that. But then if they if more of them go out, uh, stand up, are they going to kick out all the priests? No, that's that'd be ludicrous. They have more power and control over the bishop than a than a, uh, a religious order or a group of priests coming in like this. So they have to open up their doors and stop preaching on the fear and stop living this stupid way, and then show some humility. And say, hey, we were wrong. 
let's not do this yeah. again. But like I said, uh, a group like the ICK or fraternity or something like that, they can't be as uppity as that because they will get kicked out. This of the is diocese. true, and it's walking a fine, a fine line. And it is a, you, you've got to be able to thread the needle. But I mean, if you're in the privacy of someone's house, Steve, and they haven't been to confession in months. And you're behind enemy lines, let's say, in, in one of these elite coastal uh, cities. It's like at, at that point, I, ob- obedience is out the window, right? Right, brother. I mean, in my personal discernment, the reason why I wanted to become a priest in the first place was to administer the sacraments and, and to save souls. You you think that the bishop is behind your back, saying, "Yes, I," you know, he became a priest and he became a bishop because he wanted to save souls. However, I think a lot of more priests, I don't know, uh, it's a generalization, but a lot of them want to be the right-hand man of the bishop. They want the status. Um, status is important to people. Um, it's it's tempting for a lot of clergy, and they pre- they prefer to be obedient for the reputation, for the sake of their reputation. Um, and, and, and to tout that, you know, I, the, the, that priest is probably telling other priests, you know, he's not said a, he's not heard a confession, whether it be in someone's house. He's, he's probably even sharing that information to people. Uh, because he wants to come off as obedient, because he wants to build up his reputation, because he wants to be trusted by the by the authorities, uh, I guess to move up. To move up, um, if that's what if that's what inspires someone to, to the priesthood, I mean, that, to me, that's not an authentic vocation. Um, but I'd I'd rather lose everything, um, saving souls, than than to be in a position to save souls and not save souls. Um, I mean, that's that's the name. Saving of the game, souls so. is the name of the game. Uh, but unfortunately, the biggest news item last week was not the salvation of souls; it was the salvation of GameStop. <laughs> Video game. Ryan, Ryan, what do we have on that? Why was that a thing? Oh boy. Well, I mean, you you can fill in the the listeners on the on the mechanics of the stock market and and everything, but. Um, as far as I can tell, I'm still trying to question whether this wasn't, in fact, another layer of psyops or whether or, or not. But basically, you had you know guys on Reddit saying, "Hey, let's let's take it to Wall Street," and and, and the reason I think this is somewhat contrived here is because GameStop is not a stock that would be a smart investment. Because where is GameStop? Ga- GameStop is mostly in malls, in uh, front end brick and mortar stores, and what do they do? They sell physical games, physical video games, most of which people board games they get on Amazon, and people don't go out to malls, and especially with the media-driven uh, fear, <clears throat> people aren't going out to places. So that's a dying, you know, unless they they change their business model, that, that there there is an endpoint for them that's relatively near. So it's not a smart stock in and of itself. So why buy it? Well, basically it was to, to stick it to the hedge funds, and I'm, I'm sure you can fill in more about that, but the, jet, the hedge funds hedge funds are one of those things that I think should just be thoroughly rooted out uh, of existence because they don't do anything positive for anybody except themselves. And the, there's nothing – in a lot of free market analysts, they say, oh, well, when the rich do this, it benefits everyone, right, and uh, so on and so forth, and, and there's truth to that in a lot of ways. But in likewise, in the stock market, it's basically a publicly traded company. You're investing in them, and they can expand their business and do better and give returns. Okay, so they got money. You got money. Make, it's an investment. What about a hedge fund? Well, they basically exist to destroy companies or build up ones that probably shouldn't be built yeah. up. Uh, <clears throat> Elon Musk. <clears throat> but um, no, uh, they don't. Do and that's the thing. That's the thing here. And and I, I so uh, to be clear. 
if you if you were on the Reddit board and Facebook groups last week and you were part of the initial wave to go in, you probably are going to make some money on the investment and good for you. If you are one of the people who's doing it out of the principle of the thing, you have a nostalgic attachment to GameStop. Your mom used to drive you there to buy video games and you're still a video game playing person. Well, okay, that's a different discussion. We need to talk about that. But um but if but but the principle of opposing uh, uh, naked shorts by hedge fund billionaires who have the right to do that trade, but you and I can't do that trade. We have to actually own the stock in order to short it, but they don't. Uh, so they they already they're exempted from the normal rules that you and I have to play by, and you don't care about losing that money because you're trying to create the short squeeze and stick it to the hedge funds. Okay. That's fine, too. I think what you're saying, Ryan, is here as we sit here today on first Friday, the 5th of February, it's too late to get in on this action. GameStop's not going to go to $1,000. Even if it does, it'll be a momentary blip, and you will miss the opportunity to sell at that price. So um, unless you're a principled person and you just want to waste the money and and you really do want to send a message, then it's probably not the right thing for you to do. That's what you're saying, right? And I'm good with the notion of them sending the message, but, you know, there's so much of it. What ultimately it's going to create is basically and it's the same problem with any industry that you want to regulate. Um, you know, and this is one problem with a lot of fellow distributors They're They're always trying to trust the government to do things. And as a mostly anarchist, um, I, I don't trust the government to do anything. So especially when you're talking about the national government, because what happens is regulatory capture. Oh, there's this problem. We need regulation. And you go to government. Give us regulation. And government goes to the lobbyists for the very companies you're supposed to be regulating and say, how do you want to be regulated since you're paying my bills? And and that's essentially how it always works. That's why uh, what's-his-face that Biden just put in as uh, head of the FDA, uh, Vlasic, I can't remember his name right. No, Vlasic's a pickle. Uh, Vilsack. He's worked for Monsanto. He's worked for all the big pharmaceutical companies. He's And then he goes and is head of the FDA. Gets out of his stint as head of the FDA, goes back to work for um, you know big ag and all the in big farm and all these groups. Then it comes back in, right? So you know it's the same type of thing in any industry they regulate is the people they're regulating usually make the rules for them and they put it out there. Same thing in Wall Street. So what you'll see is rules, more rules against us being able to do mm-hmm. anything in the stock market, more ability to shut down trades as they're. You know, you know, being made less some white supremacists, and you look how the media spun the story right away. White supremacists on Reddit bankrupt Jewish hedge fund hedge funds on Holocaust remembrance. Yeah, I mean that that's a pretty. They they really strung those events together. They've strung those events together really well, and that was part of their justification, Steve. Uh, you know, Ryan always says rules for rules for thee and not for me. Uh, it was really appalling that the little guys couldn't buy, continue to buy in; that they were locked out, but the but the but the big guys could keep trading. And Wall Street doesn't like it when you play their game against against them. So that's why basically what happened. They they've been doing this for years. But when you do it to them, oh, no, 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 it's not any good. And uh, I, I applaud the little guys for doing that. Now, then Robin Hood comes in. Instead of stealing from the rich against the wealthy, they did the opposite. But, <laughs> hey, what did uh, uh, Pelosi, she just put, what, how about a million dollars stock in Tesla the day after they announced that government uh, motors going to go all electric? Uh, that's insider, insider knowledge. 9-11. How many people made a ton of money by putting on the day before it happened. Insider knowledge. These guys have insider stuff 
all the time. But when you do it to them, it's bad. So now they got to change up all the regulations to you know get the change the rules yeah. to play by so that you don't get to do it again. Well, I mean they they've got to change the rules before people get their stimmy checks because uh, all these Reddit users when they get their stimmy checks, those are going right into GameStop, baby. Or AMC was it? Was it AMC the theater? Yeah, it was AMC AMC the movie theaters, which is which is hit, hit, hit on hard times in lockdowns. It turns out when the government doesn't allow people to watch movies in your theaters, that's bad for business. People, who knew? <laughs> Couldn't have seen that coming. But I I don't know. What are you going to do with your stimmy check, uh, Ryan? I am going to buy if more ammo. I'm going to buy <laughs> a couple tons of uh, pea pellets for animal feed, and I'm probably going to invest a little bit um, to get some work done for the business and hire somebody to do shipping for me so that not so I can get more time for translating. That's if you get it, because they might put the stipulation, got to get the jab before you get that. Right. Well, I didn't want it anyway. So I actually, frankly, I really don't want all this money because I don't want to be under their thumb. I'd rather they, you know, it came in a check so I could burn it. But um, unfortunately, that uh, they just stick it right in your bank account. I'm going to give my stimmy check to the Oblates of St. Augustine because uh, out of penance for the fact that we were talking about tithing and we didn't even grift for Brother Martin. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Brother Martin, take this opportunity to tell people exactly how they can support the church by supporting traditional orders like yourself. Please, it's precisely to, uh, to be traditional in the sense that I belong to a religious community prior, um, and the bishop just didn't want a traditional community in his diocese. Little new communities all over the place, traditional communities, are just being squashed left, right, mistreated, all that kind of stuff. And so um, the Code of Canon Law per, uh, permits us to form private associations on our own for the purpose of our own sanctification. And so that's that's kind of where we start. Uh, but you can go to our website at oblazesofstandaugustin.com to read more about us. Um, com slash giving um, and to support us. We're actually looking to build a new monastery right now. So uh, um, we're looking to, we're here pretty soon, we're going to be starting a, a really big fundraiser in order to be able to buy property and to, and to build a house um, that'll fit at least eight people at the beginning because we have a lot of vocations coming in um, as well. I have six guys um, asking me about visits, wanting to, wanting to talk, um, find out more about our community and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that puts us nearly at 10 already since being founded in, in July. So That is growing- awesome. Man, it would be so nice if somebody who watches the rundown could uh, make a six-figure check to the Oblates to, to get that going. Gosh, that would be amazing. I'll give you the address for that. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Wait, I thought mm-hmm. it was in Florida. No, trust me. <laughs> we uh that we normally save the grifting session till the end but we were talking about church tithing and and we passed right over the brother so I'm 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 or the oblates I'm sorry about that brother Martin. Um we have to we have to do one more story the most the most absurd story of the week and then we'll move into the unpopular opinion segments. That's high praise. The most uh, the most ridiculous story of the week, I think, Ryan, you brought this in. Bill Gates, we, we've reported this already, that he's the largest uh, farm land owner in the United States, owns something like half the size of France or maybe the full size of France. Um, the software guru turned um, tech billionaire turned uh, COVID czar now wants to get into another line of business. He wants to make sure, Ryan, that, that, that babies are not contributing to global warming. How's he going to do that? He's going to do that by investing in it, just as you've seen him being the major investor in artificial uh, meat. He now wants to create artificial breast milk. 
so that uh, you know because well formula is found to be you know not actually particularly healthy for most babies and on top of that you add in that it's environmental impact and production and all these things so Bill Gates wants to help and of course you couldn't possibly go back and do what women have done for 10,000 years no you can't do that you got to have you got to do it artificial we got to do it all better so now bill gates is uh, you know putting major money into artificial breast milk and so you just start connecting the dots with this guy and oh yeah it's a conspiracy theory well if it would almost be a predictable thing for a cart saturday morning cartoon villain to try to control, you know, be investing in artificial meat, while at the same time um, you know, dominating all health institutions around the world. While during this deadliest pandemic ever, that has killed fewer people in 2020 than 2019, um, was farmers are losing their farms and so many things because the, the trucking companies and the processing companies are not operating. He's coming in and buying up those farms. So charitable, couldn't, couldn't give them the money. He's got to buy up their farms, right? And then, you know, like we said, he wants to spray the sky with something to block the sun to protect us from global warming, uh, so-called uh, climate change, whatever hoax you want to call this stupid hoax, you know, whatever you want. And now he's in, in artificial breast milk. And it goes back to something Bertrand Russell said, who ran in elite circles in the early late 19th, early 20th century. And he said that in the future, a woman will not change a baby's diaper without asking an expert. Here we are. Really? Yeah, wow. I, and and yeah. I, the most natural thing, the most obvious thing, I mean, the, the line of sight between, and, and, and of course, and there's going to be someone somewhere in our audience that because of one problem or another can't actually nurse. We're not talking about you. We're not trying to guilt you. You're exempt from anything we're talking about in the, in the need to breastfeed, all right? But the line of sight between a baby, it's, it's the furthest extent of his sight, is its mother's face while it is nursing. All right. That that mm. is its its line of sight. It's literally engineered by God to, and it helps form the bonding. It helps form hormones both in the mother and in the baby while the baby is nursing. And it is healthier for the baby than a bunch of, uh, you know, powder with all kinds of crap fortified with vitamins that the body can't even take in and fluoride. Because, well, nowadays, nowadays yeah. the woke the woke mothers who are uh, breastfeeding their children are masking their faces. So now right. the, all the baby can see is this masked person. <laughs> uh, we're, we have an entire generation of sociopaths coming up, guys. How awesome is that? You know, I can actually top that Gates thing with another Gates one. Four years yeah. ago, HuffPo came out with an article on Gates wanting to implant birth control devices in the yeah. people that they could turn on and off. They wow. turn on and off so and if yeah, they can who else can turn it on and off well, yeah this, there's that was no room for babies to be you born know. we're gonna turn it off on you and then you got elon musk who's uh, implanted a chip into a monkey the other day and he's that uh, he wants to put chips in people anyway for the transhumanism project which goes back into the great the uh great, great reset, reset idea Maybe he's investing in gamestop <laughs> well, good. I'll own this. We could download the video games into people's heads with this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this company. And as and as they brought up yesterday on the, on the New World Next Week, Gates is a terrible seller. He looks creepy. But Elon is the cool guy that smoked pot on Rogan's show. Mm -hmm. We'll do what he said. He wants to put a chip in us. Maybe we'll do it because he's the cool dude. 
even though he's losing money and everything he's touching burns anymore. Like literally, Tesla's it's all just, about yeah, marketing. His phrases: Tesla's just a big money laundering operation. Yeah. I mean, it only exists because governments pour money into it to produce stuff that doesn't actually work. But <laughs> somehow he he just it, he just fails forward with that. Cause I got high. Cause I got high. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. Has anyone here ever been inside of a Tesla? No, I've seen it from the outside. I've seen it from the outside too. I've heard it's an incredible experience. I I do I think the cars do work, but uh, but you're right. Everything is about marketing. And the truth is, when I was doing Uber, I had a guy in the car that his friend he was talking to was doing the uh, he had the all out one that self drove, and he was literally taking a nap in the car headed to the airport as Tesla was driving. So I know that some of them work, but they're also incredibly easy to hack. (laughs) Oh, that's scary. Um, that's yeah. Right. I know. I mean, like look, the, the point about the about somebody that you ticked off on Twitter and they know a thing or two and they hack the car and drive you into a tree. Yeah. Like that one guy, I can't remember his name that he, they say he drove like a grandma and ended up doing 120 into a tree for after he got them reporting on, he was yeah, doing Michael, an investigative uh, story on Michael Hastings. Yes. Independent Hastings. journalist. Uh, so actually brother Martin and I are, are in a locked competition for who can tick off the most people on Twitter. <laughs> um, we we're we're always trying to one up each other to 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 gain Twitter enemies. Um, okay, it's time for the unpopular opinion segment. This we haven't done this in a while, and we didn't release a poll last time, and we didn't have a show last week. So let me just re-educate everybody, uh, because that's what we do in the United States is re-education camps. We give our unpopular opinion every week, our most unpopular opinion, and you are to vote on Twitter. Uh, for the most unpopular opinion. It's not the opinion with which you disagree the most or agree. It's the one that is objectively most unpopular, and we do this so that it incentivizes us to give you the most unpopular opinion, not to cater to those opinions that you're going to agree with. I know that Steve has one prepared, so we're going to Steve first. Oh, I did? Okay. Uh, (laughs) I was prepared to go last. Uh, All right, well, I don't know if it's really unpopular. It's Probably a well, just the hell with it. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> all right, the 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 pandemic, scamdemic, whatever. How do we end this thing? All right, I don't know how many people are watching. Take your mask off. Do this. Take your mask off. Burn it. Have you people have friends over? Have a party. Go hug your family. Go shake hands with a stranger. Smile all day. Go to your priest. Give them the information on what you what you hear from on my channel or the tweets that I put out or what Ryan gets on there because we we all share the same people almost. Go to Last America Vagabond, see his stuff, and send out those links. He's got twenty links on mass wherein the science behind it, etc. Do everything you possibly can at your local level to end it at your local level. You're not going to do it at the federal, but you can do it at the local. So. Get to the, go to the businesses that are so, that are like minded that are letting you go in without a mask on, or are on the same idea that this is all a bunch of scam that uh, we're just getting rused by the government. Go in there, boycott with them. Go to the boycott the ones that are like Carowinds. Here they came out saying that they're going to have you wear a muzzle, and this is an outside amusement park. Don't give them no your money and make it public. Do it for the other guys. Make it public that you're going to help these guys out. Not telling you to go out to the news and post it on the news channel, but tell your friends. Go to your church. Tell your people, hey, go help. Here's what this – because the other guys, just like Augustus said, Catholics are lazy. 
where heretics are zealous. We got that inside our own ranks. You got guys that are pushing the uh, the Rona scare, the, the superstition, and call use those words to them. Hey, superstition is a sin. If masks don't work, and use the one, two, three mask idea, 50% effective for the, the, uh, the two masks, 90%, and that's a scientific study by Virginia Tech. Use that. Say, hey, there go. One doesn't work. Then you really want us to wear seven? Or why don't you wear six? Why don't you wear four? Make them think that way. Maybe they'll start thinking, hey, maybe this doesn't really work. Or, hey, give them confidence to come on our side. But keep it at the local level. Don't get uh, discouraged uh, and keep pounding. Okay, Steve's Unpopular Opinion. Burn your mask. Have a mask burning party. Hug your family. Hug your family. What a reactionary idea. Brother Martin. Bouncing, bouncing between a couple in my head. Um, think I'm gonna go you can, pull a Steve, you really can actually opinion. pull a Steve and just say multiple give me, things. Give me four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what, what I'm going to give isn't really an opinion, um, but people are going to hate it so much that they're going to yell at me and say it's your opinion. Um, so I think, I'll, I, I think it fits an unpopular opinion. And the fact that French kissing before marriage is a grievous sin. French kissing before marriage is a grievous sin. Um, there's that a particular continues. exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. There's a YouTuber. Uh, this is this is where I guess uh, an, another unpopular opinion comes in. There's a YouTuber that's a recent convert um, to Catholicism that went off the other day on trads, um, calling them all sorts of things. Really, she was talking about state of a contest. These little wa- these small remnant of little wackies. Um, that that don't believe that uh, there's been a pope since like Pius the Ninth or whatever, you know, uh, not even told the Ninth, whatever. But throwing that or attributing characteristics of a few people onto a, a very giant demographic of Catholics in the Church, um, it, it, it's an absurd generalization, and the claims that she was making are absolutely absurd. And one of those is saying, you know, that. They even believe that kissing before marriage is bad. It's like, listen, a poke on the cheek is not bad. A quick poke, whatever, not bad. French kissing uh, and making out all that kind of stuff before marriage, grievous sin. So there you go. There you have it. Uh, that's my unpopular opinion. Okay, that one's going to win. Brian? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, it depends on uh, how people feel. But um, in about an hour and a half... I am going to kill two animals, not out of malice, not out of uh, punishment, but um, because they're food. And I'm going to do it Old Testament style. I'm going to kill a goat, and I'm going to kill a lamb, and I'm going to slit their throats, and then I'm going to disembowel them and start turning them into meat. Um, For a lot of people, that is, oh, that's so horrible. Why can't you just get it from the store? Um, because at the store, actually, they do it a lot worse. So I don't like shooting the animals. It's been, you know, it can be done, uh, you know, to people who are used to doing it, didn't do that well where the animal doesn't suffer. I have, you know, only seen that I I don't like the reaction. Whereas when you slit their throat there, they just kind of go to sleep. So Old Testament style for slaughtering animals, I think is Mm -hmm. better. And, uh, they're meat, you know, they're not your pets. And animals are in this world, one, you know, to, to, to give them glory to God. And they've had a nice life eating very well. And now they need to serve the, the purpose for which uh, they're ordained after the fall, 
which is, you know, providing food for us. So that's uh, where they're going to go. And uh, cute little lamb uh, is going to be dinner. Sorry, animal rights lovers. <laughs> uh, that's pretty that, base, that's Ryan. I, I definitely agree. We need to be closer to death, not further away from it. Uh, but you, I, we have people very concerned about you on on the live chat right now. They're they're letting you know that today is Friday. I know you know <laughs> that. I'm just giving you an opportunity oh, yes, to I'm acknowledge it. It is just the uh, well, I have to the person that gave us the goats. I have to teach him how to do it. And today is just the only day that works. And no, we're not going to eat it. Technically, my wife is exempt because she's nine months pregnant and uh, in basically waddling around. So technically, she's exempt and she could have it. But, um, you know, but I can't. So no, no, we're not doing that. Very good. Um, okay, mine is very short this week. I'm going to try to compete with all your unpopular opinions, and I've been saving this one for a week where I don't really have one prepared uh, because this is just a perennial truth in the mind of uh, Mr. RTF. Video games are for little boys. I told you one week shorts are for little boys, but video games are for little boys. They are a surreality. They are not something that adult men should be engaged in. And to the extent that you do, I think you should quit because we are, we are <laughs> as Thomistic creatures, right? Thomistic reality. We experience reality with our five senses. We have to be grounded in objective reality. God has ordained that we experience reality with our senses. And that's just a, that's just a fake reality. It's a digital reality. It's the same reason why I don't live stream masses at home. And it's the same reason why we don't have television. Uh, so to engage in a video game as a grown man is, is pretty bad. And to do it as a priest is even worse. I feel bad for priests that play video games. Cause that's, that's just lame. You need to be out saving souls. Sorry. Uh, you have a, a very demanding <laughs> vocation, but to live stream yourself on Twitch playing a video game that like, I, that just takes the cringe meter to cringe maximum cringe. Cringimus Maximus. Speaking of Cringimus Maximus, um, somebody has made a fat version of all of us, and I'm just going to display it right now so we can see it. Look at that. It's so funny. <laughs> all right. All right. Thank you. I, I just saw that on Twitter, hey, and I had to put I had to put it in the show. But anyway, we're here. Hey, Mike. Um, yeah, video games. I was wondering how long that would take. I've been Mike, staying out of all the... One, t- one uh, response from the live chat. <laughs> What's that? Can I respond to one chat please, on the live please. chat? One guy said, and I've seen it quite often every time I bring up don't wear your muzzle, uh, that'll get fired if I don't. Well, 74% of the CEOs came out the other day saying that they will mandate the uh, jab for working. If you don't get a word, it's translation. If you don't get the jab, you will not be employed. So where's your line in the sand? You're going to not work one of these days. I'm not telling you, I understand that that idea to get creative, find a way, find others in your office that do it. Again, think locally, act locally, strengthen numbers. You saw the video, people going into the, into the store. You're not alone. Got to start talking to your friends and seeing who else is on board. And then they're not going to fire everybody. But eventually, everyone's going to lose their gigs. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, look, if as as this show has has told you, since the beginning, if you cannot oppose the mask, how are you going to oppose the jab? How are you going to oppose the vaccine? I mean, it, if this isn't the hill to die on and you're saving yourself to die on some other hill, then you'll never die on a hill. You just won't. Um, okay, let's go to the grifting phase. We already did Brothers Grift. Um, Ryan, I have your image pulled up. Ryan. Yes. Oh, excellent. Yes. So the image that we got uh, going here is uh, the catechism explained by stories and examples 
by uh, Father uh, Sparago. So we, this summer we reprinted the Catechism Explained by Sparago. I changed the title for this one. It was originally called Anecdotes and Illustrations of the Catechism. It's like, man, it's kind of clunky. And uh, how better than to just make it the sequel for Catechism Explained, which in a certain way it is, actually. So... And so, and so it's it's based around the questions and answers of the Baltimore Catechisms. I know that'll that'll uh, be people like that. Some people like that. Um, you know the um, the stories are all you know good traditional stories. The book was done in 1908. Uh, there were some I edited some things and um, you know I employed someone to, to get a new plan for moving a few things around. And uh, you know the, the same guy got the manuscript for me and. The uh, we added a few things from traditional sources. So the reason is that you get something where it would be like on the duties of godparents, and you got stories that are kind of mundane. You had two of the two of them saying the exact same thing, and nothing on the spiritual duties. So he had a one in another place that was really good on the spiritual duties of a godparent. So I switched that one in, and then in the other spot took something from like Saint Augustine, for example. And uh, then and then I had the guy did the manuscript, get some other things for me from Lives of the Saints, and. Um, you know, just, uh, you know, say like in marriage, you know, St. Teresa's, the meeting of St. Teresa's parents, you know, that's something that wasn't published or known much in 1908, but it's really useful and profitable to see the holy life that they lived. Right. And so that, that's the kind, those are the kind of changes I made. And I think, um, I had the, the fellow, um, De Perone write a preface that uh, where he basically says, well, modern people think about themselves too much. So we didn't modernize the book. We just took more traditional stuff and put it in. So that's uh, so it's, it's a great book. It's great. A lot of this, there's a mix of just stories that are very devout, very pious, uh, very, you know, and, and then a little touch of humor added in here to kind of lighten things up a bit. So uh, you can't go wrong with this book. If you like the Catechism Explained, you will really love this book. It it appears as though uh, Steve is getting ready for his grift. No, 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 I'm not. I was just going to put my, you know, if you see somebody walk around with this on, you know, let them know who's the real tin tin farmer. <laughs> we'll try to sell this. Uh, you can get this at your local grocery store for about ninety cents. Steve's trying to be the Catholic Alex Jones. <laughs> Guys, just do me a favor: like and share this video. Subscribe to Census Fidelium. Subscribe to Media Express. Join the monthly book club there. Subscribe to uh, RTF and become a monthly donor of the Oblates of Saint Augustine. God bless you. Thanks for watching. <laughs>